0: Hi, and welcome to Unredacted Stories of the Mesa Police Department. This is our first episode. We're really excited about it and hope that you'll subscribe and follow along with us as we tell stories about the people that work here for the Mesa Police Department. I'm your host, Irene Mahoney, Media Relations Department. And right now, of course, our first guest, uh, we thought it would be important to start right at the top. So we're joined by Chief Ken Cost. Yeah. Welcome.
1: Thank you. This is awesome to be the first one and uh, look forward to it. I hope everybody subscribes and starts to get to know us and the police department a little bit better.
0: Great. Chief, let's start with what made you decide to be a police officer?
1: What I really wanted to do was um, coach high school sports. Probably football, my favorite sport to coach, but I played football, baseball, basketball, so I could do any any one of them. So I think where I was headed was I was going to be a teacher, which I think is an incredible profession, give back to the community, uh, affect young people's lives, and that's where I was headed. So um, I took a bunch of classes, and one of my elective classes was uh, intro to criminal justice and always had respect for officers, um, you know, had some... You know various different run-ins in in my life with officers, some of them positive, some of them not so positive, right? But I always felt like, yeah, hey, I think that's a, a an interesting job. So I took this class and it was taught by an Anaheim California police captain because that's where I grew up is in Southern California. and he was so dedicated to his career and so balanced and talked about community policing and talked about. Um, all the different assignments that he had and the effect that he had on the on the community and um, really doing good and doing something of of moral value in his career that it really drew me in. Um, The more and more I took that class the more I was very interested in like okay what's this all about and that's where it all started and he actually hooked me up with my first ride-along in the Anaheim area in California and it was so boring. It was a a 12-hour shift that was just as boring as you could be, and I loved it because we went on different calls and we were able to talk to so many different people from the community, and there was no arrest, no high-speed chase that night. Um, you know, and that is the exciting part of the job and, and something that, uh, you know, I, I really, you know, uh, have enjoyed throughout my whole career, but just talking to the variety of people and seeing – the different kind of calls they go on. And one is not like the other. And then the camaraderie they had uh, within their station and before work and after work and watching them and observing them and um, growing up an athlete and being part of teams and then watching my parents who came from humble beginnings and really pushed on us community engagement. Um, They were volunteers in the community. We were out in the community all the time. So I thought, man, this is the best of every world um, camaraderie, work in the community, um, uh, get bad guys off the street that are preying on the community. I just thought, Hey, this is the career for me for sure. I, and and I just never looked back after that. I changed my major and I was off and running.
0: So what brought you to Arizona?
1: My first, a lot of people don't know this, but my first police job was in California. So I went to the golden West police Academy out there in Huntington beach. And At the time, which is ironic because I'll talk about this later, policing was really hard to get into. Um, One of my first tests was with Long Beach Police Department, and it was in their Long Beach arena. And there were 4,000 people testing that day. Oh, wow. For 13 spots.
0: Oh, wow.
1: So really, really tough to get into. And so at the time, you needed to either be a reserve and put yourself through the academy, pay your own way. Um, And how ironic to what I'll talk about later. Um, So keep this you know, bookmark this. Yeah. Um, But uh, the state of California was hiring for sworn investigators um, on an agency called alcoholic beverage control. So it's like liquor license control out here in Arizona. It's fully sworn. You would get your foot in the door. They sent you through the academy. So I did. They sent me through Golden West Academy. I got my certification and I worked in East Los Angeles for about uh, a year and a half. Um, And that was my first experience. And you know, you did a lot of different things. You did undercover in bars. You did undercover in liquor stores. You, you know, did everything from drug investigations. Even more than just trying to catch kids buying booze or right. drinking. It was uh, any crimes in and around licensed establishments. And it was really good experience for me. And, you know, I, I knew I picked the right profession. But, again, I wanted to get into a municipal police department. I wanted to go to all the different, you know, remember my first ride-along. And then the subsequent ride-alongs I had after yeah. that, I rode along with LAPD, which was awesome. And I said, no, I, I want to be on these specialty units. I want to do, I want to be a patrol officer. I want to work the street. And so um, when uh, the push came for me and my now, you know, my wife for, you know, 28 years, we had to either move to go get a job in law enforcement or stay and wait. And Southern California was so expensive to live in. Yeah. I started looking out of state to kind of see who else is hiring uh, Mesa, Phoenix, Tempe, Scottsdale were hiring at the time, and um, I applied with Mesa, and they hired me, you know, really quickly. It went fast. I had to make a decision, um, you know, in January 1995, I came out to the academy out here, and we've been here ever since, so uh, that's that's how I got here.
0: Yeah. So has it been always your goal to be a chief?
1: No, um, and it's going to sound weird to some. But, uh, no, it hasn't been my goal. I mean, you know, I it, and it's okay for others to have that goal. I think that's really cool. I've been around people that um, earlier in their career, they say, hey, what do you want to do? Like, well, I, I, you know, I want to climb the ranks. I want to get all the way to chief. Um, that's really never been me. It hasn't been about the rank for me. Um, you know, I was a sergeant, which is our first line. I did a lot of great jobs. Um, sergeant is the best rank I feel like in the, in the entire department, it's the most important rank because you're the first line supervisor of, you know, anywhere from, um, you know, 10 officers below. And so it's a tight group and, um, you still get to be, you know, get your hands dirty a little bit, you know, you get to be on the street and, yeah. and it's a, I'm a big time coach, mentor, training person. So I really loved that. I did, uh, the sergeant rank for nine years. And uh, so, really, it was never on my mind. I remember several times people asking me to test for lieutenant, test for lieutenant, test for lieutenant, and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm in these specialty units. Uh, I'm chasing the worst of the worst. I'm doing really good out in the community. Uh, I love my squads, and uh, I'm good. I, I'm just going to retire as a sergeant. You know, I, I did a lot of jobs as an officer and a detec- detective, and I was doing a lot of good things um, at the sergeant level, too, as far as jobs go. So, I said, I was good. Um, until you started looking at, okay, the department's growing. they need they need lieutenants. They need you know people at the next level um, to help the department keep moving forward. And it's always been a very good progressive department. So it started grabbing me a little bit about kind of seeing who's leaving and who's in different positions, and can I, can I help a bigger group Yeah, can people. I make
0: an impact at that level? Yeah. So uh,
1: I got pushed enough to where, and then, you know, made my own decision to say, okay, I'll test for lieutenant. So then I said, okay, I'm just going to retire as lieutenant. This is good. I, now I'm a mid-manager, and I'm uh, changing policy, and I'm helping groups out, and I'm, you know, I was working homicide, and that was a great job. Those people are incredible. Um, and, our, um, and our document crimes folks, our, our, our uh, fiscal crimes folks, and uh, great group of people. I was enjoying it, and then I start. They start knocking on my door. Hey, we think you should be a commander. You know, test for a commander. Test for a commander. No, no, no. And again, but it's the same thing. Can I? Can I have a positive effect? Um, can I learn from any mistakes that I've had? Can I? Can I um, take some of the good things that are going on in the areas that I worked and things that I've learned, and can I make a positive effect on even a bigger group of people? So you go from forty you get, as a lieutenant to a hundred and 44 as a commander if you have a station and that was appealing to me to say okay all right let I'll do that okay now I'll just retire as a commander (laughs) and so then the same thing happened you know three years as a commander the shoulder tap comes you know we think you should be an assistant chief and they they really got me because it'd be assistant chief over patrol and for my patrol officers out there you know that I am a patrol person for life. I think that is the most respectable job that we have. You are everything in patrol. You're a detective, you're a counselor, you're a traffic expert. I mean, you're everything. And so it was really appealing for me to have that bureau of 512 people. Um, And I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'll step up. And then 100% talking at home, I am done assistant chief, this is it. I'm going to do 30 years on this job, and I'm going to walk away. And what a, what a cool career. I've been very right. blessed, and I'll do that. And then there was a crossroad in our department where leadership was definitely, um, you know, needed. Lacking. and mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was needed, and there was a lot <laughs> of folks that at that time were saying, okay, now there's there's a void. Um, you have all the schooling. You have all the classes. You you, have, you know, any, anything a chief would need on a resume I had um, just by being fortunate enough to attend various trainings and go back to school and, and do all the things I needed to do. And uh, they said, hey, will you do the interim chief while we decide what we're going to do for the next chief? And I said, absolutely. I love the city. Yeah. I love the department. I love everything about policing. So I said, of course, I'll step up and I'll do that. And then I think it was, you know, four months later, he said, OK, we want you to be the permanent. So that's how that all happened. It wasn't something that I have to have. And I would do anything and everything to get. It's just, it was that kind of road that brought me up to this position. And
0: and it's pretty amazing that that road, I mean, the bulk of it is here in Mesa. I mean, you've held like every kind of position all the way up to chief. That's got to have a little bit of advantage, too, just kind of knowing everything and how it works you know, and and how everything moves and and relationships, right? You've you've already kind of established relationships as you've kind of worked your way up.
1: Yeah, for sure. If you don't have those relationships (coughs) and you don't have them built and uh, you don't go through bumps in the road and, you know, go through adversity with people and they see exactly who you are and you see who they are. And it really helps as you grow up in the organization. And, you know, I've always been I've always been a, an anti-status quo person, you know, I, I and that's what I've really loved about this agency is they're progressive. They're always looking to try to get better, always looking to try to tweak things. Um, we can't be perfect in an agency of 1,400 people, but I've never seen this organization kind of take a step back and say, no, we're good. We're not gonna change a thing. And, you know, um, it's all those folks that are like-minded, that have risen to diff- various ranks and leadership positions, all the way down to our field training officers and our senior officers. Everybody understands that in this organization. So growing up in that culture and understanding our people is, has been very, very um, advantageous you know, as you kind of climb through the ranks because like, people know you. And let's face it, people in general, but especially officers and people who work in the police department, they see right through you if you're not genuine.
0: Yeah. What what would you say your biggest challenge is being chief?
1: Um, You know, I think that probably the biggest challenge is um, definitely how big we are. Like we're a large organization. So to be able to um, to get a team together um, has been very, very fortunate for us. We have a good group of command staff, good group of executive staff. We have people who aren't siloed up and trying to, you know, outdo each other type of thing. And I think for me, going from assistant chief to chief has been really finding the ability to um, definitely delegate and understand that everybody's got different lanes. And I've always given people that have worked around me the autonomy to do their job, get them the resources and get the heck out of the way. And I think for me, it's been, you know, just an adjustment on this is a different role now. Um, My role is it's it's broader, it's bigger, it's, it's the whole city, it is, there's, there's politics involved and not in a negative way. Uh, We have extremely um, supportive politicians in the city of Mesa. Our council is incredible. Our city management is incredible. The other city department directors are, are, are great. And so I think, um, you know, the new challenge is to make sure that I'm creating relationships, genuine relationships with all those other stakeholders. Not that I didn't have them before, but it's at a different level now. And I think that's that's always it. And all the other chiefs in the Valley and your federal partners and your state partners and, um, I mean, you name it. And I think that, you know, the challenge is just to constantly make sure that we are talking to each other and that we're sharing our challenges and that we're keeping those relationships alive. So you're one phone call away from you know, talking to somebody in the community when there could be an issue. Um, and I really think that's where trust and legitimacy comes from is, you know, that genuine relationship that you have with everybody. And so I think that's always a challenge, but it's a challenge that I embrace. I like it.
0: So how would you, how would you say policing has changed over the years since you, since you became an officer?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's um, training has definitely improved. I mean, from from the time that I started in California and got out here, um training has improved the equipment has improved um technology is a big difference um you know we're getting ready to open up our real-time crime center here in just a a a few days and to have the type of technology that's out there available to officers is literally a life-saving type of technology that that has never been part of law enforcement until the last you know several years and um you know unfortunately Uh, you know, with the events of 9-11 really made an impact on policing in the fact that we needed to um, step up our game, uh, not only within policing, but obviously Homeland Security and a lot of different areas. And it really refocused everybody to to think outside of the box, to get creative, to figure out ways to um, better use technology. And so I say technology is a big game changer along with our training because the training has evolved. And I I really feel like... um, we have a long way to go with training, even nationally, right? Like there's 18,000 police departments with 850,000 officers. Yeah. Um, So standardized training, I think, is going to be critical um, to solve a lot of the issues that that we've seen over the last uh, uh, few years, but obviously historically. So um, I definitely like to see uh, the direction it's going. And again, I'm touting our department and I get there's bias there, but I, that's where I really feel like we're ahead of the game is, is we've kind of sought out this type of change in training um, years before some other agencies have. I would really like to see um, more of kind of a national push to standardize it.
0: Speaking of training, I mean, we have a pretty robust um, progressive training department, right? I mean, I we've obviously followed some recruits, 24 weeks, high intensity. I mean, you're getting these guys ready. What what do you look for in a recruit because we're hiring, we're hiring, we're looking for officers. Right. Um, And there may be people listening that think like, Oh, I've never thought of that or no, there's no way I could do it. Um, And, and they're maybe not thinking about what the job actually is and what we're looking for.
1: Yeah. I I think especially because TV movies, social media, they all kind of paint a picture. So I think people think, yeah, I, I, I know what this job's all about. And, no, I'm not really that interested. Um, you know, we're looking for people who have a servant heart. And that's not a soft statement. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm, you know anything that uh, um, is anything other than serving above something that's more important than yourself. You know, servant leadership is the coined term. And, um, there's people that we've hired that have been teachers that have been computer scientists that are out in the fields right now that had no degree, um, even related to law enforcement that had no job related to law enforcement or never thought they would ever do it. You know, similar to myself, I thought I was going to be a teacher. You know, I still might do that post-retirement, right? That that's, that could be in my plan. Um, and, uh. But I think for folks out there is just to understand that this is the type of career where we need people who are resilient, who want to make a difference in, in their community, who care about their community and people other than themselves. And um, it really doesn't matter uh, if that was on your mind. You know, there used to be a time in policing where, um, you know, in the, I'm talking about all the way in the 80s, where they would just go recruit Um, division one athletes and you know like you need to be this big strong muscular person like you don't need to be big strong and muscular we'll get you to where you need to get on the physical fitness standards Uh, we've adjusted those over the years to where it's not just about how much weight you can lift you know and, and and what you can do so I think there's a lot of folks out there listening that you might think well I don't think I can do that well Sure you can. Uh, just contact our recruiter. We will walk you through every step of the process. We actually have, um, like, you know, some of the physical fitness standards, we have ability for you to, to test yourself way before you even start applying. And then even when you do apply, we'll help you through the process. We have techniques, we have things to get you through. And then our training staff, once you're in the academy, will get you where you need to be uh, to meet the state standards, and we'll get you there. Uh, so don't worry about that. Um, just worry about whether you want to serve and whether you want to make a difference in the community. And let's say that there's some things over the past couple years that you saw that you haven't liked. Well, what a better position for you to be in to come get on the department and make a difference. Come be part of the decision-making come be part of that. I mean, you know, we're uh, I'm sitting here as living proof of someone who's come all the way through. And now you're talking about policies and procedures and the direction of the department. You can be part of that. And, I think that's exciting you know when you care about your community and care about what happens that you can go be a change it's really refreshing to talk to our new recruits especially the ones that are coming on i mean in the heat of riots throughout the entire country we were having academy classes of 40 people and to talk to them and listen to them and i ask them why like why now why would you come in and they're all different little stories but it all comes back to people who really want to make a true difference some didn't like what they saw. They want to come in and they want to prove their family wrong. Their family thinks that law enforcement is terrible and it shouldn't be something that you do. And they are set out to say, no, I think this is a noble profession and let me go inside and let me try to let me try to do my part. And it's working. Some of those, a couple years later, I'm talking to those officers and they are ecstatic about the choice they made. Um, they are so happy that they're here. And it, the job is exceeding every expectation they ever thought of and they took a chance. And so take a chance. If you're in a job that's, that's kind of mundane and it's a little bit, you know, I don't know if I'm making a difference or if I'm really doing something uh, that, that makes a difference, then you got to come, mpdjobs.com. Go to it. Google it. We have, and it's not just for our sworn officers. It's our professional staff. We have everything from IT engineers. So you want to come be part of helping the police officers out? Come be an IT engineer with us. Come be our dispatchers and our and 911 operators and our communication centers. Come work for our crime lab, a state-of-the-art crime lab that's recognized throughout the country. I mean, there's so many different things that you can do within the police department. Um, you, know, you really just got to check it out. And trust me, when you, when you type that into your browser and you start looking um, and you talk to one of our recruiters, you just got to go for it um you just got to come be part of our family and that's what we are and you're coming to a supportive community that really cares for their officers and in the midst of all of the negativity nationwide and this this um narrative that was negative on law enforcement we we went out to our community we were there um hundreds and hundreds showed up on meetings asking some specific very good questions and we we're answering those questions and we're more transparent than we ever were before but this is the thing. We also did a survey, and the survey showed that we had even higher support than we did six years prior. So that says a lot for someone who wants to come into this profession. The national narrative or the negative narrative, that that, that, that doesn't exist here um, as a whole.
0: Yeah, I'll say from my own experience. I mean, I came from a news background, right? I never thought I'd be working in law enforcement. And, um, you know, coming in, I think my biggest surprise was just All of the different areas that you can have an impact. I mean, it's just like you said, IT, you know, community engagement. There's just so many different areas for both sworn and professional staff. And so I think for me coming in, you know, seeing the support that the community gives. I mean, seeing that, you know, survey come out and in showing that the community really supports our department and our officers. um, What a great what a great starting point. Right. I mean, that's what it's all about. Right. If your community is on board and supporting you, and, and they're pretty vocal. I mean, they they reach out to us. They talk to us. You know, we try to have that kind of relationship, and so I think it's a pretty unique um, department because of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, uh, it, it definitely is, and we, we call it a family, and it's a family of 1,400 people, but um, you know, they definitely, it's, it's all everybody working together and, you know, to, to meet our values, to, yeah. to serve this community.
0: We're talking about like, um, new officers and, and things. We just were getting ready to graduate class 51. You were in class what, two, three, three. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So just, just for perspective, ready to graduate class 51 soon. Um, what's your advice for these new officers?
1: Well, I think that's a good question. My advice is, you know, constantly be um, learning and curious and, you know, always challenge yourself to um, search for Because each of those officers are going to have their own personality once they get out of training. And, again, our training is more than anybody does in the state. So by the time they're solo officers and they're in their car by themselves, they have to create this, you know, this identity for themselves uh, within their beat. And, you know, I think if they just try to keep things simple, you know, our values, uh, engage with the community, um, and that means you're going to get out of your car, you're going to go talk to people, and it's not on a 911 call, or you're going to go hang out with a group of kids in the park, or you're going to walk your neighborhood, you're going to talk to people that are unhappy with you, and you're going to talk to people that are happy with you, and you're going to learn to to get to know each other. So um, I would tell them, really, no matter what assignment you have throughout your 25-plus year career, that's a baseline value. Another baseline p- value is the pride of being a police officer, and um, you know, taking care of yourself and making sure that your wellness is um, is taken care of. That's really, really important in a stressful job. That that um, you're constantly engaging with your loved ones and your family members, and you're keeping yourself okay. Um, so that 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 pride within the job, but the wellness perspective is huge. And, and we have a really big push for wellness in our department because it's critical because these are the most important people, uh, you know, the equipment, the technology, all that stuff, that's okay. It's the people that matter. So take care of yourself. And, you know, and then the final is, uh, you know, we professionally fight crime and that's a big part of what we do. This is one of the safest communities in this country. Um, our size in fact we're only behind virginia beach that's it and um so that that didn't happen by accident that happened because of our training and our investigative ability and the fact that we go represent the victims in the city of mesa and we do it with purpose and um no matter what they do what call they go on that their their customer service is at such a high level that that customer, um, and they're not customers, obviously, the citizens really feel like, hey, the police department's working with me to try to solve this issue. And even if you hit a roadblock, they keep trying and they keep trying until maybe it gets to the end and we're successful or we're not successful. But I want our officers to make sure that they're always looking for a way to be successful on behalf of that victim and our citizens. And I think Really, if you took that and you take it even out of patrol, you take it to another rank, you take it to another area of the department, you're a professional staff, civilian member um, working in the lab or working in communications. You take that approach with everything you do, every email, every text message, every phone call, you have that ability. You're basically treating um, anybody you come in contact with as if you would your own family member. And I think that's that's really, really important because, um, you know, people might just have one contact with the police officer. So I think I, I would sit down with them. It's conversations that we've had before, but that would be my biggest advice is find your own niche. But then just keep it simple. It's those core values. If you keep those core values, it's going to carry you throughout your department.
0: So speaking of one of those core values of wellness, I mean, you, your job is pretty demanding. How do you balance your work and home life?
1: um it's very very intentional like you have to be and it's been every rank you asked before like hey what about chief and that like really regardless of any rank um I've families first period and I, I I tell people that all the time you get one shot at your family don't lose that shot uh you know you uh you have to make sure that you're you know making events and whether it's a dance recital or something that, you know, your, your sister wants you to be at to go support them. I mean, you, you have to go take care of your family. So you got to try to find that balance. It's tough with shift work. It's tough when times you work in 16-hour days. And some assignments I worked three days straight. But it's just a very intentional um, effort to do that. And uh, I've always done that. And then um, I think that, that coincides with, you know, making sure that you take care of yourself right. I mean, yeah. like you have to, you have to try to, um, eat right. You have to try to exercise. And so I've always been into exercising. I credit my, my dad for that. Um, the guy is, is, is an animal as far as, you know, exercising all the way into his eighties. Right. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I, I, I exercise, I, I, I play, still try to play basketball, you know, once a week, I, I have to be engaged in some sort of competition. If you really know me, I'm pretty competitive. So I have to, <laughs> do something. I do a variety of sports and, um, you know, I like to go out and hike. I like to go out and do things, get outdoors, uh, be active. And that, that all, I've done that my whole career. Yeah, And, and you've it,
0: coached a little bit too, right? Yeah.
1: And I coach, well, yeah, I've coached a lot. So I've coached for, you know, 14 years, um, football, baseball, basketball, softball, girls, basketball, um, you know, a little bit of everything. And, um, once I got done with coaching youth sports as the head coach of all those sports, then uh, I went over to um, coach high school and coach freshman football over at uh, Desert Ridge High School. Go Jags. Uh, they, they know that they'll always be in my heart. And uh, I did that for six years until kind of the ranks caught up to me. And uh, the, time, the, the time that I could commit out there with those kids got really shrunk. But I, I still have connectivity to the uh, to those kids and to the program. And, you know, I'm getting it's 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 really cool to be getting invited to, you know, baby showers and weddings and, and those type of things of, of people that I've coached. And it's uh, it, it's pretty awesome to see these kids grow up. And so that'll be again. Uh, it's a passion of mine. It's something that, you know, I'll continue to be a part of uh, coaching and mentoring our youth and our community because, you know, there's. There's uh, so many great kids out there, and uh, I love it. So that's it's a big and a great impact for them. Big part of my life.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I want to have a little bit of fun. What's your favorite movie?
1: Oh my gosh, Um, (laughs) hit me good. I got a lot of probably. This is people are going to give me a hard Gladiator, probably. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. What about music? What kind of music do you listen to? Oh, I'm
1: I'm all over the place with music um probably you know rock and roll i on my my old days probably a little bit more of uh some of the heavy metal stuff, but then soft rock um i like i like some believe it or not i mean i i like a little bit of country not a whole bunch uh um i've i was a eighties yeah rap me too <laughs> you know I've listened to you know I like some rap i like some, i like a little bit of everything it's just there's really there's if you looked at my playlist on my Amazon Music, you'd probably just laugh. It's all, it's over, all over the, the place. place. Like one song doesn't even make sense to the next song coming, <laughs> and everybody that listens to it. But yeah, yeah no, It's I, a variety. It's a variety. Yeah, yeah but I, I like so many different artists.
0: Favorite place to vacation?
1: It's been, oh, man, that's a toss-up between some of the national parks that I've gone to, and um, I'm a big beach person. So um, if I can get somewhere in the Caribbean um, and sit on a, a beach with white sand and just relax and read a book, I, i'm a really happy Yeah, person. you know that's
0: been my biggest people are like how do you like arizona you know i've been here now seven years mm-hmm. and and i said the only the one thing i miss is the beach because i was either east coast or west coast yeah. but right by the beach and that is the one thing that i do miss
1: yeah so that I, i'm part of the zoney crew that goes over to california to go hit the beach you know the millions of us that go over there and invade you know san diego yeah. and and that area and then but you know We always liked to go to national parks. Glacier National Park, I think, is one of the most beautiful um, things I've ever seen in my life. And I've been to almost pretty much every national park. And so we we like to go there, too. So it's a combo of something beach, something woodsy.
0: Yeah. Okay. And last question. Who's your favorite adjutant and why? Because I have mine.
1: Who's my favorite adjutant? I've (laughs) only had three. Yeah, I had two and a half, right? Two and a half. Gosh. The two Jasons and, uh, and Nick. Nick, they're all my favorite. All, <laughs> I, you can't make me choose on a recorded I told them I was going to ask that. Yeah,
0: That's funny. Anything else you want to share with us?
1: Um, I don't think so. I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's great that we'll have some connectivity to the community this way. I really want the subscribers to come because, you know, I think one of the Biggest things about coaching over the years and teaching um, thousands and thousands of kids is um, they find out after the fact that I'm an officer. And so I'm like more coach cost than chief cost the to them, coach. right? And I think as you interview people throughout this organization, the general public's going to hear, like, hey, they're just normal people like everybody else. Yeah. You know, this, this uniform and the badge um yeah we wear that because that's part of the uniform and we need to be outwardly known um but we're all just people we we all want the same things yeah and you know it's uh it it, it, i think it's really important for everybody to kind of hear our stories a little bit and this is just a snippet right there's a lot more to me and all these officers than this but i think it gives you a it gives you a little bit of look behind the badge
0: yeah and this is Really, part of our intention with these podcasts is really to try to get to know the people inside Mesa PD and, and talk about what they do inside the department and, and outside. Um, and, you know, we've set up an email, uh, Mesa PD Podcast at MesaAZ.gov. If people who are listening, you know, have an idea or want to hear about something or have questions, they can email us and, you know, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it on our podcast. And, you know, our next step, we're going to talk to some of the assistant chiefs and and kind of work our way all around the department to kind of get their stories so we're really excited thank you for being our our first podcast yeah no kidding um great and i'm sure we'll have we'll we'll talk to you again you'll be back i'll be back thank you and don't forget to subscribe and email us with pd topics you want to hear about it's mesa pd podcast at mesaaz.gov thanks for listening